Today we look again. We look at Christ again. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. Revelation 1 17. We'll read 17 and um, let's read 17 and 18. 17 and 18. When I saw him, this is John speaking. When I saw him, and of course what John is seeing is a vision. And it's not of the lowly Nazarene. But he gets this amazing vision. Jesus, his eyes are a flame of fire. His, out of his mouth is like the voice of many waters. His hair is like wool. His feet are like in burning bronze. His, there's a robe that is down to his feet, to the ground, basically. There's a sash around his waist. It's amazing, and it's overwhelming to John. And this is what he's referring to. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades to the New Testament is what Sheol was in the Old Testament. 61 times in the Greek Bible, the Septuagint, is translated uh, Sheol, the grave basically is what it is. When Jesus used it, he used it, it most generally in the New Testament, it's used for the grave, but Jesus also taught in certain places that for the lost, it was a place of torment, Hades. Me meaning this, that our eternity for those of us that know Jesus is going to be different than those that don't know him, and we'll get to that. He says he has the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things which you've seen that are those things that will take place. Today, this is the word of the Lord. Father, this is your word. Show us Jesus today. We want to see Jesus again. We want to see Christ exalted in the hearts and the minds of this, your people at Trinity Life Church. Show, Holy Spirit, help us to show Jesus. We want to see him. We ask your blessing. Help your servant in Jesus' name. Amen. I take my title of this message from the 18th verse, if you look at the 18th verse, here's our title today, The Living One. Come on, say that with me. The Living One. I've titled this message, Christ, The Living One. Every time I go to my Bible, I just, I just see Christ and we look at him again today. You'll notice that Christ gives himself this self-designation. He's telling John, John, I want you to know who I am. I am, I am the living one. Now, there's, there's many wonderful truths in these two passages, really. There's many wonderful truths here. But you realize that behind this passage, there's a problem that God is dealing with. How many know God is the one who can solve the problems? He's the problem solver. You know, no matter what we're facing in our church, listen, the Lord is our problem solver. We just got to keep our eyes on him. Just keep loving each other. God's going to do it. Right. But, but in this wonderful passage here, 
this little portion of scripture, what we see behind this passage is the greatest problem facing mankind. And you know what it is? Not too many months ago, I was in Alabama and I was way, way out in the country. I mean, way out in the country. I'm so far out in the country that's one. If you get dark out there, you see every star in the sky. Very little, very little man-made light out there. And I went to a graveyard. My stepmom had wanted to go see her 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 mom and dad's grave. And I began to walk around that graveyard and read all the stones, headstones, and some some of those headstones read to almost the founding of this nation. They were so old. And here's the problem of mankind, and that's this. The problem is we all die. That's the problem that every one of us face. It's the greatest problem that we face. How do we face death? How do we overcome death? The, the, writer, the writer says it's appointed unto men once to die and then to the judgment. Even in this powerful book of the Revelation, and, and I, I want to tell you, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's something about this prophetic book that the Lord wants us to know about the revelation of his plan, his purpose, and his person. But even in this book, you read in the sixth chapter in the seventh uh, through ninth verse, and there's a horse, it's a pale horse, and it's riding out across the landscape of the earth, and its name is death, and it says Hades, or the grave, is following death and scooping up the slain and swallowing them up. I spoke to a minister yesterday in another state. He said, he said, I have two funerals. I have one today, one tomorrow. I said, I attended a funeral yesterday of, of Brother Bradley's grandfather, wonderful man of God. And then we have another moral service today. It's all around us. And especially during this time of COVID in our world, we, we've seen almost 200,000 or so of our own countrymen and women pass away. But here's the thing. As you look at the book of the Revelation, you realize all people die, but not all people die the same. Did you hear that? Everyone's going to die one day if the Lord doesn't come and take us to heaven in his rapture. But I want you to know this, that we all die, but we don't all die the same. The saved and the lost die differently. You read in, in, in Revelation 2, it talks about those who are faithful unto death shall receive the crown of life. But then you go all the way back to the 20th chapter of the book of the Revelation. You realize this, the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were, were, were brought before back to life and they stood before God. And everyone whose names are not found in the book of life were cast in the lake of fire. All men die, but not all men die the same. Death is universal. Death does not discriminate. Death does not care if you're Asian, African, or American. It doesn't care if you're black or white or red. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. All people die, but yet all people do not die the same. Do you know that in the minds of little boys and girls, there's an innocence about death? You, as, you don't remember thinking about death as a child. It's almost like the Lord shields that from a little child. But there comes a time in every boy and girl's life, when that innocence is shattered. I can point to you the day, almost the moment that it happened in my life. I was seven years old. I'm riding, and it's 1972. It's December. It's around the 27th of the month. And I'm riding in my grandfather's station wagon. There's a hearse in front of us 
My grandfather's body's in that casket. We're riding down Harrison Road in Montgomery, Alabama. We're going to Greenwood Cemetery. It was at that moment my innocence was shattered. It just dawned on me as a seven-year-old, my grandfather's not coming back. My grandfather was bigger than life. His nickname was Big Mac. McCall was his last name. He loved us. And now he's in the casket. And for the very first time in my life that I can remember, I mean, I remember crying and getting whippings and I, I, I needed more than I got. Come on, amen. You say amen for yourself. Leave me alone. <laughs> crying like that's different. But I remember at that moment as a seven-year-old boy, a real sadness came in my heart as I was riding in that old Oldsmobile station wagon and I was sitting in the back seat in the left-hand side and I remember as, as the emotion began to well up in my little heart as a boy, I turned my head outside to look away from everyone that was sitting inside because I was ashamed to let anyone see me cry. I don't know why, but I was ashamed of that. As I turned and the, and the tears began to course down my little face as my innocence was shattered. And I realized that the world that we live in has death in it. Why do we die? And that answer is found in only one place. And that's the word of God. We have a doctrine. It's one of our 16 cardinal doctrines in our movement. And that's this. We have a doctrine that's called this. It's titled, The Fall of Man. What is wrong with us? Look at our nation today. Has our, na our nation has never been like this. Look at the riots. Look at the, look at the things that are going on. Why? Why is this happening? The reason this is happening is because of this doctrine. The fall of man. Man is a fallen creature. But man wasn't always a fallen creature. When man... When Adam came from the fingertips of God and God breathed into man the very breath of life, there was a holiness among him. There was an innocence. There was a relationship with God that he had and he walked with God in purity and in innocence. But God warned them and said this, you can eat of all the trees, but in the day you eat the tree, out of the tree of the, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that you do that, he said, you shall surely die. The Hebrew says, you sh dying, you shall surely die. Dying, you will die. And at the moment in Genesis chapter 3, when they disobeyed God, at that moment, they died, and man has been dying ever since. Isn't the word of God correct? Even in the nuances. Dying, you shall die. At that moment, Adam and Eve were cut off from God. And death physically then began to happen. About David's time, it leveled off at about 70 some people live longer, some shorter, but on the average, about 70 years of age. Man is a fallen creature. Now hear this quickly. 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered our madness. 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered our madness. Jesus Christ came to this planet of death why? That he may lift us out of death into life again. This is what John says, little John 3.14. We know that we've, I love this, the way it phrases it. 
we know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Passed out of death into life. Do you understand where we're walking around the dead? You understand every day we're walking around among the dead. People that are spiritually dead. We used to live among the dead. What does the Bible say about that? Listen quickly. Ephesians says, and you were dead. You were dead. Look at this. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We were among the walking dead. Following the course of the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom once, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We used to walk among the dead. But I'm going to tell you something happened when we met Jesus. We came out of the realm of the dead and we came in the realm of the living. We were born again. So Jesus stands among us. Jesus stands before our world today. And he is saying to our world, he is proclaiming to our world, he is proclaiming to this church today, I am the living one. What does that mean? Three things quickly. Number one, as the living one, I would just simply say, Christ Jesus is life itself. He is life itself. Now understand, I'm not saying that he possesses life, uh, just possesses life. I'm saying he is life. He is the source of all life. Do we even understand who we're worshiping today? What does it mean? It means that Jesus is the source of life. He is the life giver. All life comes from him. Colossians says it like this in verse 16, 116. For by him, all things were created. Look at it. In heaven and in earth and visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together He, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the first one from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. And in everything that he might be preeminent. He said, I am the living one, John. He's life itself. That means he's the creator. That means in Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He is the creator. Not only is he the creator, he is the sustainer. He not only created all things, he sustains all things. He holds it together. Hebrews says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He holds it together. Now, the, now holding it together means this. He is sustaining it and he is moving it toward its desired end. It doesn't mean he's just holding it together like glue. It means Jesus at the right hand is moving our world the way he wants it to move. You should believe that today. 
Don't believe what you see. What you see is only temporary. Didn't John say, didn't Paul say that? He said, don't look at what is seen. In other words, don't gaze at what is seen. What is seen is riots. What is seen is division, immorality. What is seen is a lot of things that are not of God. But I want you to know there's someone who created the world. It was, give, it was given to Adam to, to have dominion over. He gave it to Satan. Jesus is taking it back and he's holding it together or it had already been destroyed and he's moving it toward its desired goal. He said, what is that desired goal? One day every knee will bow, tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day death will be put to death. One day Jesus will reign over everything and the trees of the field will clap their hands and the glory of the Lord will shine from sea to sea. Hallelujah. Jesus is life itself as the living one. What does that mean? He's life itself. He's creator. He's sustainer. But it also means he's redeemer. Think about it. Jesus came from outside of humanity. He said this in John. He said, I am from, you are from below. I am from above. Come on. He said, I am from, Jesus came from outside of humanity, but he became a part of humanity. In 313 of John, it says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. He became a part of humanity. Just think about this for a moment. He, who he told John, he said, I am the first and the last. <clears throat> I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now think, consider this. He who was above time and outside of time came into time in Bethlehem's manger. Really at conception. How shall it be that I, I don't know a man... That which is in you, the Most High shall overshadow you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Him who was above time, he was transcended above all things, stepped into humanity and became subject to time. Galatians says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son under the law at the right time. Why did he come? Him that is, he said that he is the living one. He came to redeem. Life came to give life back. He came to redeem. The son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to lift us out of the realm of death and lift us into the realm of life. Hebrews says this, since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He, Jesus, likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and to deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So think about this. It is, it is the death, it is through the death of Jesus that there is going to be the death of death. Jesus is putting death to death. How do you know? Because death and hell will one day be thrown into the lake of fire. He's going to take death and he's going to take the grave and he's going to say, I'm done with you. And he's going to put it in the lake of fire. That is the death of death through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
The death of death. No more funerals one day. I'll have to get rid of my funeral manual. No more funerals. Now think about it. What does it mean he's the living one? It means he's life itself. Think about it. He's creator. He sustains his creation. But he's also the giver of life. He's the giver of salvation. He redeems. He's the only one that can do it. Secondly, as the living one, his presence is near at all times. I don't serve some kind of dead God statue sitting on my mantle. That's why idols are so hateful to God. They can't represent. The heaven of heavens can't contain him. Moses, who do I tell him that sent me? Tell him I am that I am. That means the ever-present God active and working in the lives of his covenant people. I am that I am. I'm always present and working in my covenant people. Hear this today. When Jesus said, I'm the living one, he's saying, I am present and I'm always near you. Always near you. He's the living God. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't go to work and leave God in some building somewhere. He lives on the inside of us. His presence is with us. Why? He's the living one. How does the Lord manifest this? Think about it. Here's John on the Isle of Patmos. He's an old man now. Some people say he's close to 100, just depending on how you date Revelation, whether early date or late date, even if it's early date, he's old. And here's John on the Isle of Patmos. What a reward. You know, we, we all hope that if we work hard, we do our best, that we're going to see some earthly rewards of some stripe or measure. Here's a man that probably started following Jesus in his late teens. He was probably the youngest one of the apostles. And now here he is, an old man, on a rocky penal colony called Patmos, which is out in the Aegean Sea, about six miles wide, about 10 miles long. The Romans used it as a penal colony. And here's John. How do you think he felt? He felt like you and I would feel. He felt alone. Felt alone. You don't think, you don't think, these are real people. You know, we paint them like, you know, like they're not real. Listen, no, he had the same thoughts. Lord, where are you? Where are you? Don't you, I mean, I, I mean I'm 54 years young. And as you get a little older, you get some aches and pains. Come on. Takes me a day or so to get over the golf round now. Huh? How do you think that old man felt? But notice this. He, sh- he shows up. And it says, he reached out his right hand. And he laid his hand on John. And he said, do not fear. Now think about this. As the living God, he's present near at all times. Now think about this. He shows up when things get hard. Come on. He walks in when others walk out. I've had folks walk out that said they would never walk out. I'm just being straight with you. I've had folks tell me that they give me their right arm. I had a guy in a service one time tell me, he said, I give this man my right arm. He didn't come back to the next service. I've never seen him since. No, I'm telling you the truth. People lie like a rug. There's so much lack of integrity in the kingdom of God, it it shudders me sometimes. Jesus walks in when everyone walks out. 
I noticed this when I read the churches. Look at this. I noticed this when I read, read, the, read the seven churches. You ever notice? He says, I know. To, to, Revelation 2.2. 2, I know. I know your works. I know your labor. Know your patience. Know what you're doing. Chapter 2, verse 9. I know your works. Know your tribulation. Chapter 2, verse 13. I know your works. Know where, where you dwell. Know where Satan dwells. Know, know that you're holding on to my name. I know all about Antipas who, who, who died and marred him. I know, I know, I know. Why? His presence is always there. He knows. He knows your fears. He knows your apprehensions. He knows your weaknesses. He doesn't walk out when things get tough. He walks in when everybody walks out. John's all alone, but he's not alone. The Son of God, the living one is there. And he said, John, I'm with you. I'm with you, John. I'm telling you, Christ is the living one. He's creator. He's life itself. But he's near. He's the living one. Now look at this. As the living one, he, he provides strength to match your trials. I mean, in a sense, we're in a trial in our church. We're, we're trying to move forward the vision of the church, and we're going to do it in Jesus' name. But, but where's God in all this? He's with us. He's right here. He's right here, church. No trial can defeat you. Now, look at this. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is the strength of my life. One translation says, it's a stronghold of my life. Now, look at this. Put, this. put this graphic up, if you would. Let me show you something. That's a threshing sledge. Now check this out. This is just an, an, an ancient kind of rendering of a threshing, threshing sledge. You say, what is that? Now I'm going to read you a verse. Are you ready? Come on, we're almost done. Look at this. You ready for it? Come on, get ready. God's, God's about to do something to us. Now look at this. I'm going to read what the Lord said he would do for his people. Isaiah 41, verse 15. Listen. Behold, I'll make you a threshing sledge. You didn't know God's about to do that, did you? He said, I never even thought I wanted to do that. But look at this. He said, I'm going to, behold, behold, I make you a threshing sledge. New, new, comma, sharp, comma, having teeth. Someone get your teeth back. <laughs> I saw one of those guys one time on, on video. He was talking and his teeth flew out. Hey, going to get some new teeth here. Look at this. Having teeth. Notice, notice. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them. You shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away. The Lord's talking about the enemies of God's people. And the Lord said, the enemies may be all around you, but I'm going to make you a threshing sledge. God's saying, I'm about to do something with you. I'm about to use you. You say, my enemies look big, but I'm about to make you a threshing sledge. I'm with you to do something. Look at this. Not done here. Look at this here. And the tempest shall scatter them. And, and you shall rejoice in the Lord and the Holy One of Israel. You shall glory when the poor and the needy seek water. And there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Why? He's the living one. Christ says, I'm not going to forsake you. Look at this. I will open rivers in the bare heights. And fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water. And the dry land springs of water. I will put, <laughs> I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress. God can take a desert and make a garden of Eden out of it. And, and they may, 
that they may see and know, may consider and understand together. The hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. Now put the threshing sledge back up again. It's almost a tongue twister. Now check this out. Check this out. Look at this here. God said, I'm about to move mountains with my people. God said, I'm going to make you a threshing sledge. And you might be, that's what I'm going to make my people. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you the power, the mountains, the enemies, the difficulties. I'm going to make you a threshing sledge and you're going to make them a plane. They're going to be like chaff. The wind's going to blow them away. Now notice this, notice this, notice that the horse is pulling everything. The man's just hanging on. How many know Jesus is really doing all the pulling? Oh, I'm just bearing a load. No, no, no. Listen, he said, my yoke is easy. Yoke up with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what God's saying to Trinity Life Church? Just hang on, man. We're about to do something here. Hang on. Mountains are about to be moved. Hang on. Miracles are coming. Difficulties are moving. Blessing is on the way. He's going to make pools and rivers in the wilderness. Just hang on because the horse is going to take off. Jesus is going to do all the pulling. I'm going to make you a threshing sledge. Why? He's the living God. He's present. He's near. He guides us through the storms to the other side. Remember he told the disciples, let's go to the other side. In in going to the other side, they got in a storm. But notice Jesus stilled the storm. How many know God can take us through the storm? He makes roads in the wilderness. Listen, he's close to us in those dark moments. He's the living one. He says this, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, for you are with me. You are with me. You're riding your staff at Covenant. We were in southern Israel down by the Dead Sea. And our, guest, our guide said, look to the right. And there was this, these mountains. And this, it was just so many, it was just horrible looking. He said, that possibly is what David wrote about. The valley of the shadow of death. Those valleys. I mean, listen, you get down and it's dark in those valleys. Listen, we may be in a dark valley, but listen, the Lord is close to those. He's near to those who are brokenhearted. He, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Why? He's the living God. He's the living one. Think about it quickly. As the living one, he's the source of life itself. As the living one, his presence is always near. And lastly, as the living one, he wants to share his life with us. This is what his passion is. He said this, verse 18 of, of the text we read. I have the keys of death and hell. I have the keys. And you say, well, what are those keys for? Jesus has them. What are they for? I'll tell you what those keys are for. Those keys are the keys that rescue Adam's fallen race. What do you mean? Those keys, keys represent authority. And in his authority, he entered the realm of death. In his death, he confronted death. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says this. He is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He con- in his resurrection, he conquered death, he conquered hell, and he conquered the grave. And the fact is, Jesus is the only one that has the keys. 
No one else has the authority to lift us out of spiritual death, out of physical death in eternity. No one has the keys. Buddha doesn't. Krishna doesn't. Muhammad doesn't. None of the Hindu gods, but Jesus does. He has the keys. He has the keys, the authority to confine or to release from death. Listen to the word of the God as we conclude. John 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel that, of the, about, at this. For the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice, will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. We have a prophecy here. The hour is coming. There's an hour that is coming. And then there is a power here that Jesus said the dead will hear his voice and raise from the dead. What an amazing Jesus. And then there is a purpose here. There's coming a day that he will execute judgment. You say, well, he didn't come to condemn. That's right. He came to save. He came to redeem. We are in a day of redemption. We're in a day of wonderful mercy. God has been so merciful to us. But there's coming a day when he's going to put the robe of judgment on. And I would say we need to get right with God. We need to build this church. We need to invite people to church. We need to pray for our lost loved ones. We need to be about winning people to Christ. This needs to be a healing hospital for people. You, you can't, they can't get fixed and then come. They need to come broken and wounded and Jesus can do the healing. Why? He has the keys. He has those keys. Jesus stands today before all humanity and he offers the keys remember what he said to his disciples he said I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven literally the tense is this whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven in other words heaven has already decided the plan of redemption what are the keys? The keys are the eternal gospel that enables someone to be lifted out of spiritual death and granted eternal life. John said this, whoever believes on the son, in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son does not see life, will not see life, shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. I have the keys. Jesus would say, I have the keys, I have the authority to save you, to redeem you, to bring you out of the realm of spiritual death, to bring you into life. I have the ability to raise you up, 
to give you a new body, to give you a glorious eternity. But it's only Jesus who has the keys. And he's offering humanity the keys. Come to Christ and be saved. Be saved. Don't die remaining in the, in the realm of death. Because then there comes the second death, which is the lake of fire. Sometimes you just you strain to get people to understand the consequences of rejecting Christ. Do we understand today? I think we do at some modicum that to be saved is the greatest thing known in all history. There's nothing greater that could happen to you. From, from the moment Adam was born to this moment, there's nothing more glorious that can happen to a human being that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're redeemed. And we want to share his love with the world. God loves the broken. The wounded, the, the bound. And we've got to reach them. That's why we have to put this church up. We have to reach more people. We have to get more room so we can have classrooms to teach these boys and girls. We need, we're moving forward. Would you help me? Would you, would you help God in a sense? Would you do it? Would you, would, you, would you pour your heart in this place? Would you pour your time and your talents in this place and your treasures? Let's build God's work. Why? He said, I have the keys. He has the keys that he can release those that live in the realm of death. And he can bring them into glorious life which is being born again, being born again. He is the living one. He's life itself. He created all things. He created you and I for himself. As the living one, he's near us. As the living one, he wants to share that life. He has those keys to forgive us, cleanse us. I want you to stand. Become the piano. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could we just lift our hands toward heaven and thank him that he is our living God. He is our living Christ. It's almost an Easter sermon, wasn't it? He's the living one. It's, it's Easter every Sunday because it's the day of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. A couple things I want to say. One is, if, if this message blessed you, would you get on your Facebook and share our service? We have wonderful, beautiful worship. Share the message of the gospel. You'll never know. It may, may, someone may be saved through this message. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you saved? Are you ready to go to heaven? Are your sins forgiven? If you're not ready to meet God, if you died right now, if you died right now, and there's not an assurance in your heart, and you say, well, oh, well, you never know. Nobody can ever really know all that stuff. I know it. I know it. Yeah, that's not arrogance. The Bible said we can know. I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting the church. I'm not trusting a dime I ever gave to the church, a prayer I ever prayed. I'm not trusting any witness I've ever done, anything I've ever done for the church or for the Lord. I trust none of that. None of that is, is not, none of that will save you. Only Jesus will save you. I stand hopeless on my own, but before him and say, Jesus, I trust you completely. I trust your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I cling to Jesus, and I know he's going to get me in. Come on. Sister Jane got in. Sister Jane went on home. Well, I'm going to follow her. Why? Because Jesus is my Savior. I confess him as my Savior. I know I'm going. If you don't know that today, you can know it. 
I want you to bow your heads. If you say, Pastor, I want to get right with God today. I need to get right with God today. Maybe you go to church and you've been playing games. Maybe you live in a double life. You say, Pastor, I need to get right with God today. Let me see your hand. Just lift your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Let me see your hand. I need to get right with God today. God bless you. I need to get right with God today. Several hands are going up. Maybe watching online. Maybe you're watching or will watch this. You need to get right with God. Heaven is real, but so is hell. Don't die in disobedience. Don't die rejecting Christ. Be saved. He loves you. Confess with your mouth. Christ, turn from your wickedness and sin. Trust him. Trust Jesus. Call upon his name to save you and deliver you. He will save you. He will pardon you. Those that, those that lifted, I want everyone to pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess all my sin to you. I know all sin is ultimately against you. I have offended you, Lord. We have all offended you. We have all fallen short of your glory. Today, I thank you for your mercy. I humbly ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And be my life because you are the living one. Help me to live for you. I know I can't do it on my own. Give me your power. Give me Calvary's victory. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and thank Him. Come on, lift your hands and thank Him today. Hallelujah. Thank Him today. Thank Him today. Thank Him today. Thank Him today. Hallelujah. Listen, as we conclude this service, I'm going to say this. We're going to buy some Bibles. Because we're getting ready for harvest. As we move forward in the months ahead, when we get in our new building, harvest is coming. And we're going to give Bibles out. Those that respond to the altar, we know we're not we're trying to social distance a little bit. We're not doing real good, but we're going to give Bibles out. We want to help people in their lives. We want to be that church. I just love this church. Don't you? I just love our church. I really love This is a wonderful church. Some of those wonderful people I've ever met are in this church. There's a foundation, even in this group, there's a foundation here for an incredible ministry. I'm, I'm just telling you. There's, an, there's a spirit of love here. There's a, real, there's a genuineness here. We haven't always had that. And I won't go into the gory details, but some of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. That's all gone. There's a real, there's a real genuineness here. A real... I would call it a sincerity. There's a humbleness here. Nobody trying to jockey to be anything at all. We just want to love each other and we want to be Christ. And you guys were so sweet to us last Sunday. Really sweet. Touched our hearts. Missy has some cards she's making out to send to thank those who blessed us. But you're very sweet and kind to us. And we don't take that for granted. 
But I conclude with this. There's a harvest coming. We're going to get some little Bibles. And we're going we're gonna to believe God to keep these altars full of people reaching out to Christ. I lo- Here's what I long for. The days when we get in this building, get our altars down again. And you know, the altar's for the lost, but it's also for the saved. Times you just go and get around the altar. Do you realize that many churches don't even do that anymore? Many churches don't ever just come and have times like after service like this. Like, let's just come wait on the Lord. And, and people would just come, you know, maybe a few minutes or sometimes the Holy Spirit may lengthen the altar call. And people would just say, Lord, take this message, pastor, preacher, whoever pre- preached. Lord, just help me to draw near to you. It's some, some of the most wonderful times in the presence of God is at the conclusion of a service. We're going back to those times. And one of the things that this COVID shutdown did for me, if nothing else... God delayed this. God was very clear with me, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, of what he wants this church to be. Very, very clear. And maybe that's why God's saying, I'm going to keep delaying it to you, to you, to you listen. And not that I wasn't listening, but he clarified to me. He clarified what he had put in my heart. This is what I want. And it's going to happen. Amen. Those of you that raise your hands, we're here. We'll pray for you. You can call me this week, counsel you, minister to you. We're always here for our church family to pray and to help you grow in the Lord. We are, uh, the youth will still be doing the Wednesday night service here. We'll get back into, I miss our adult service physically on Wednesday night. And, and I realize with the COVID, it's kind of here and there, but uh, I'll continue to do the Wednesday night service online. And I, I want to encourage you, please join us. It's, I, I re, usually keep it to one hour and have, have a teaching and a prayer time there. And please join us. It just encourages everyone when more people are on. You can be on Facebook Live. You know, we'd probably get more people if I just did a... I do a Facebook Live on our private page. If I just did it and like put it out there for like the, the public, I'm sure we'd get more and probably need to do that. But join us. As we just open the Word of God, it's our little oasis in the week when we open the Word. If, if you're not on our email list, you're not getting the password and the login to our Zoom uh, or also on our private page. We want to get everyone that will on our private page because that's where I do a lot of devotions. Sometimes I do audio devotions. We want to get you in the communication flow. I mean, this morning, I, was, I kind of bombarded everyone. You know, funny thing is, and I, this will be the last thing I say. Um, uh, not in the earth, but just today. <laughs> so, but you know, we got daylight savings time and I'm like, oh man, I'm going to get another hour. You know, and I get up four o'clock almost every day. That's kind of what I do. So I, I thought, man, I'm going to get a great night's sleep, an extra hour. Oh, praise the Lord. I woke straight up just as wide awake as I could be. Grabbed my phone, looked at it, three o'clock, <laughs> which is four o'clock. So anyway, all right. Father, thank you for your people today. Remind us that you're the living one, that Christ is our living one and that he's with us, near us constantly. Bless your people. Bless this church. Let each one in this congregation today have a spirit of evangelism. Everyone in our hearts to say, we are going to fill this church up again and again. We are going to be about your business. We all are going to be evangelists and we're going to share Christ and we're going to bring people to church to hear about Jesus. 
And Father, we thank you. May the, church, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. I love you, church. God bless you.